again, good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. So we've looked into our series. The series has been entitled, And. So we've looked at the Holy Spirit and prayer. The Holy Spirit and evangelism. We looked at the Holy Spirit and water baptism, encouraging people to obey and, and be baptized in water. So today on Pentecost Sunday, we're looking at the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be getting into God's Word, giving that biblical overview and encouragement of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. And then at the end of the service, we're going to be inviting each and every one just to make your way down to the front to pray, to seek the Lord. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to encourage you to come to pray and to seek the Lord. And if not, we want to encourage you to seek after and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, First of all, let's take a look from God's Word at what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. We'll, we'll move kind of quickly on some of these, but I want you first of all to understand that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is biblical. Now, in, in future thoughts here, we're going to be crossing and, and looking through quite a bit of Scripture, many scriptural portions today. But oftentimes when somebody hears about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Spirit, or hears about the Holy Ghost, sometimes the first thought goes towards Halloween. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something that is spooky. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that is biblical. As we'll see over our time today, it was a pattern in the New Testament church, and it's a pattern and a biblical one for us today as well. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not something spooky. It's not as if uh, someone takes over control of our body and we have no function. There's a conscious choice on our part of speaking as the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit empowers. It's God working through us. So it is a biblical format. Secondly, understand it's the second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian in the life of a believer. See, the Holy Spirit, before and at the point of salvation, is working upon hearts and drawing us to the Lord to save. And at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells inside of the believer. In fact, Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. <clears throat> and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in and indwells the Christian and the believer upon salvation. After salvation, the Lord desires to pour out of His Holy Spirit outwardly upon us. It's a subsequent act we might refer it to as the baptism in or the infilling in the Holy Spirit. See, the early church would see this as a critical part of the walk with Christ. When they knew Christians who were believers, who had given their life to Jesus, believed on him, but were not yet baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They had leadership pray for them. Check it out in Acts chapter 8. Verses 14 and following, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. 
It says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter and John then placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So these were Christians. These were believers. They had believed in the name of Jesus, but either had not heard or had not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they laid their hands on them. They prayed, and they as well received. What about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Thirdly, know that the initial physical evidence is speaking in other tongues. Now, that term or phrase, initial physical evidence, that's more of an assemblies of God term, but let's, let's just break that down. Initial physical evidence. Initial means at the beginning. It is the first representative or first identifier that someone's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. If there's an initial, there should be something more. If and when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there should be more fruit of the Spirit in their lives. There should be a whole lot more coming after, but this is something that is the initial physical evidence. Physical it's observable. It's something we can see and or hear. We know and are able to understand when somebody is receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's similar to the word evidence. You hear evidence, it, it means proof. It's able to know that we or that someone has personally received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So get your Tapping fingers ready if you're uh, tapping in the Bible, or get your thumbs ready if you've got the physical copy of God's Word. We're going to take a jet tour through the book of Acts. There's five specific instances in the book of Acts where individuals are mentioned or referred to as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What we'll see, three of them are specific and explicitly stated that when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit that they spoke in other tongues. The other two are implied, and we'll share about that. So first of all, Acts chapter 2, that's the day of Pentecost. And in Acts 2 verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. It was observable. People could see and hear. They were speaking in an another language that they did not know and that they had not learned, very specifically mentioned. Acts chapter 10 as well, at Cornelius' house, verse 44 and following, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they were teaching and preaching, and initially it were the Jews who were responding, but here were Gentiles, people who were not Jews, and yet they were putting their faith, they were putting their trust in Jesus, and they were receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit by speaking in another language, speaking in other tongues. Jump down to Acts chapter 19, we see at the church in Ephesus, 
Acts 19, verse 6, it says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So three specific, three explicitly mentioned that when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues or they spoke in another language that they did not know. Some of you perhaps have had Spanish or French or some other language. This isn't about trying to speak in something that you've dabbled in. This is a a, a language that you are not aware of. You might not even know what it is. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, specifically speaking in tongues. Now, there's two other mentions about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll take a look at them as well. Acts chapter 8, the church in Samaria Verse 17, it says, Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, in this particular case, in this particular text, we don't see anything mentioned about them speaking in tongues or speaking in other languages. It's it's not specifically mentioned, but here's what is mentioned. In that text, in Acts chapter 8, verse 13, we see that Simon who was someone who was dabbling in the magic arts, he himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Now, a few verses later, here's Simon, who had dedicated his life towards magic arts, but he's putting his trust in Jesus. He's seeing all of this that was taking place, and he wants to buy what the apostles are doing. You know, let me give you money so that I can do what you're doing. In verse 18, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it is implied in the text. Simon, who is deeply involved in the magic arts, had committed his life, had prayed as well. But what did he see? He saw something that was so observable, that was so powerful, that was so dynamic. As they were praying and as they were laying their hands upon these individuals, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. It implies that they were speaking in another language, speaking in other tongues. It was so powerful, he wanted to pay money to be able to do that. If I would just put my hand on somebody, that they would do what you are doing. So it does not explicitly mention this, but it implies that that is what was taking place. And then the fifth one as well, Acts chapter 9. This is about the experience of Paul, the apostle. Acts 9, 17, Ananias went to the house and entered it and placing his hands on Saul, that's Saul of Tarsus who had become Paul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you remember on the road to Damascus, the, the Lord radically rocked his world, and, and he was blinded. He was then given some instructions. And Ananias here, he, he was placing his hands upon him. And so we see that something had taken place in Paul's life. It does not in the text say that he was speaking in other languages or speaking in tongues. Yet 
Paul writes this in one of his uh, letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. Paul writes, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So while it does not mention specifically in the Acts text that in that particular point in time that that is what happened, we can imply or infer based on Paul's writings that this is what took place in his life. Five texts all throughout the scripture of Acts, three specifically saying when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other languages or speak in tongues, and two of them are implying that. So as we take a look, that is a part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But next, what is it? It's not the same as the gift of tongues that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, gifts of the Spirit that are being listed and mentioned there, and because certainly it involves tongues and this language that we don't know, many people would equate one with the other. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in that unknown tongue or language is something that then we can seek after the Lord and begin to pray in that on a daily basis. The gift of tongues or the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues will be something in our corporate and worship service. If you've been worshiping with us here at Alger Assembly of God, off and on in, in different parts of our services, we have seen the gift of tongues as well as then the interpretation of that tongue. It is a message for the body of believers. So while we take a look at Scripture and we see that when the believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, we will speak in another language or another tongue, that doesn't mean that every single believer then would be given or used in the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues in a service. For instance, I personally have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, refilled the Holy Spirit in the many different years. I've mentioned this at different times. But in the many years that I have been in ministry, in youth pastoring and in pastoring, I have not been used in the gift of tongues or the gift of the interpretation of tongues though I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there are two separate and distinct items. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, it, it is for every Christian, every believer, and yet the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation, is a gift that God uses to edify and to build up the body. Next, what about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's an instruction. You might call it a command, very similar to last week as we took a look at water baptism. The two of these are oftentimes looked at as kind of extras. Hey, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. And if you think about it, maybe you'll consider water baptism or maybe you'll consider seeking the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus tells his disciples, so on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. It was the instruction. It wasn't just the extra. He said, here's what I want you to do. Be here. Seek this gift. 
Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When someone says, here's the Lord's will, hopefully our ears perk up a little bit. What does God want us to do? There's so much in God's word. And when he says, here's God's will, here's something that God wants for you, let's be focused, let's be paying attention. He says, understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's an instruction for you and I. Not just an instruction. Next, it's also a gift. How many of you like gifts? Oh, no, come on. Every single one of you just lied. Every single one of you just I did not see one hand in the air. Let's try that again. And, and if it's you, raise them high, all right? How many of you like gifts? Oh, now I see some of you had double hands. I, I see those double hands. We like gifts. Whether it's birthday or anniversary or Christmas or Easter or, or just because. I mean, we like gifts. When it comes to a gift, you don't earn a gift. You simply receive it. I mean, if it's your birthday, what do you have to do to get a birthday gift? Get older. And that happens to every single one of us, right? So we, we, we all qualify. But there's nothing that we do to earn a birthday gift other than we just keep living another day, another day, another day, another year, and woo, one year older, and that somehow qualifies us for a gift. What about Christmas? Jesus was the one who came to this earth, and yet we get gifts. There's nothing we did that we earn or qualify it, whether it's anniversary or otherwise, we don't earn things. Gifts are simply given, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. We can't earn it, but we are able to receive it. Here's what Jesus himself says, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? The answer, the rhetorical question is, I don't think any of you would. If, if your son or your daughter asked for some kind of fish, some kind of more than likely food to eat, you're not going to say, oh, this will get them. Let me, let me give you a snake. Let me give you a serpent. Let me get you a rattlesnake. That's not what would happen. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Now, stop right there. Not too many people might be asking for an egg, but you get the drift. Some form of food, whether it's, hey, mac and cheese, pizza, chicken strips. You know, if they ask for some kind of food like that, are you going to give them a snake? You're going to give them a scorpion? No. Why? If you then, though you are evil, were sinful, imperfect, imperfect and sin-filled individuals, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's a powerful 
comparison. Because listen, I know I love our girls, and I know you love your kids or grandkids, or they're, they're special people to you, and so you want to bless. You know, it doesn't have to be a birthday, an anniversary, or Christmas. Sometimes you just like to bless. Or when you're out and about with your family, sometimes you just like to buy something for them rather than them using their own money all the time. We, we like to do things. Why? Because we love. And Jesus is saying, how much more? You and I, we are so imperfect, and yet we delight in giving good gifts to our kids. How much more is the Heavenly Father? How much more doesn't he want to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to you? So it is a gift for everyone. It is a gift for the believer. These last several are quick. We'll hit them. Baptism of the Holy Spirit's not a shortcut to spiritual growth. The the thought is not, well, if I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, somehow it's going to jump me and I'm going to skip all those boring things like reading the Bible and praying and all, all these other things that help me to grow. It's not some shortcut where we cut out everything else that helps us to grow. It is a gift, it is a promise, it's an instruction, it's a part of the life for the believer, but it does not replace the growing, the seeking that comes from Jesus Christ. We spend time in his presence. Today we're worshiping together, we're hearing from his word. On a daily basis, hopefully we're getting into the word of God by reading and studying and growing and praying. There's a day-by-day growth process that comes as we grow in Jesus Christ. Simply being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean, well, I'm good and I never have to read the Bible again and I never have to pray again and I never have to go to this or that. It is a part of our walk with Christ instructed for you and I. So it's not a shortcut to spiritual growth. It's also not a spiritual status symbol. Let's touch on this. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, that does not make you super Christian. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you second class or second rate Christian. So there's not a status that comes along with this. Again, it's instructed It's a gift. It is there for the Christian. It's there for the believer. But it does not have some kind of status symbol. Finally, final thought about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time only event. Unfortunately, sometimes that's the way it's approached. It's, well, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. Check. Oh, pastor's talking about and preaching about water baptism. So at some point... After salvation, I'm going to be baptized in water? Check. Oh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm going to come. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. And and maybe at an altar or maybe in my home or maybe someplace else, I'll receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'll know that with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. Well, check. I got those boxes checked. Nothing more to do. 
Not just a one-time only event. It should be and should be a part of our ongoing process of growth in the Lord. Return to Him. Return to the source. Receive that fresh touch and the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Here in just a, a little bit, we're going to invite you to come and make your way to the altars. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to invite you to seek for a fresh touch and a fresh infilling. If, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to invite you to come forward as well and pray and believe for you to receive that gift. It's not a one-time only event. But briefly, before we conclude What's the purpose? What will it help you to do? Here's what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses. This is Holy Spirit power to be witnesses for him. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you, first of all, to be more than you are. The Holy Spirit will equip us. The Holy Spirit will empower us to be able to be more than we are. We can't do everything on our own. We need his empowerment. Holy Spirit helps us to be more than we are. Secondly, to say more than we know. Holy Spirit will help and equip and maybe bring some scriptures to mind or bring some words to mind that as we're talking and sharing and encouraging and praying with uh, someone, maybe who doesn't know the Lord as Savior, the Holy Spirit helps and equips and, and brings some of those words to mind. As a Christian, perhaps, who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe you have seen that. You've connected with some friends or family members. Maybe it's, it's right after some most difficult of news, and you didn't quite know what to say, but you got somebody on the phone or you showed up in person, and you weren't sure what you were going to do or say, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just began to kind of prompt you with nudges and words on how to be a blessing to that individual. The Holy Spirit helps us to say more than we know. The Holy Spirit equips. Later in the chapter, it says, Peter spoke in his own language. He was inspired of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, as he was preaching to this congregation who had been gathered, and they heard everybody speaking in an unknown tongue. You and I are equipped and empowered to speak more than we know as the Holy Spirit helps us. So be more than we are, say more than we know, and finally, to do more than you can. The Holy Spirit in Acts 2 helped Peter beyond his physical ability. In Acts chapter 2, the crowd was asking, what does this mean? Here's all these people and they're speaking in languages that they hadn't known. And, boy, everybody's seeing and hearing. They're asking, what does this mean? Then he begins to preach, and the Holy Spirit empowered and equipped him as he preached. And a result of that, as a result of the Holy Spirit's power, then the people in Acts chapter 2 said, what shall we do? 
They went from, what in the world is it? What does it mean to, well, now what? What do we do? Their hearts were touched and tugged upon through the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit anointed Peter to preach and to proclaim. We've been given an incredible job to do. We refer to it as the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that sound like a tall task or what? Go to all the world. First of all, the going seems tough. I mean, going into all the world? Man, there's some pretty remote places to get to. I mean, I think we've got... Alger and some of the immediate areas covered, but boy, you start looking at some of these nations and some of the remote places on this earth. The instruction is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, each and every individual in the entire part of our world needs to hear the good news of Jesus. That's a pretty tall task. So we've been equipped and empowered of the Holy Spirit to do more than we can on our own. We're equipped and empowered to be able to accomplish the Great Commission. Our resources, though we've got some, we've got some strength, not enough on our own. We've got some resources, not enough on our own. We've got some energy and availability, not enough on our own. The Holy Spirit will help us to do more than we can on our own, to be more than we are, say more than we know, and do more than we can.